Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist, to focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this edition of the Feelin' Film Podcast. In this corner, hailing from the great state of Arkansas, is me, Patch. And with me, as always, is my corner man, best friend and co-host, Aaron. I don't even know what to say. I'm not throwing in the towel for you, so you're on your own. You better Throw the damn towel. get out there. <laughs> Take the pain. Take the pain, Patch. Take no the pain. pain. No pain. No pain. <laughs> <laughs> well, this week we are getting ready for the third installment uh, of the Creed trilogy. I love calling it that instead of like Rocky 12. <laughs> it seemed like it was going to become. And since we've covered the first two, you can find those episodes uh, in episode 136 and 137. We were inspired to talk about a favorite installment from the Rocky verse, the rock and roll fourth entry known as Rocky 4. Can I say rock or a variation of it any more in that sentence? I don't know. Anyway, as you may or may not know, back in 2021, Stallone re-released this entry and retitled it Rocky for Rocky versus Drago, uh, making several changes to the film while still keeping it around the 90 minute mark. And to me, that is a feat in and of itself. Uh, we're looking at you, Mr. Snyder. Okay. So we'll essentially be covering both in our discussion tonight, which means spoilers for both will be applicable. I mean, there's not really much in terms of like spoilerific, like major changes, although there is quite a bit to talk about in terms of what he left in, what he took out, and and really kind of how the narrative varied uh, from both films. So that being said, this is your spoiler warning. Please check out either one uh, at this point and enjoy the conversation. Let's get it on. All right, Aaron, this was a movie that I was really looking forward to when in, when it was announced. Um, I was really interested because, of course, you know me. I'm a big Rocky fan. And Rocky Four was really where I cut my teeth on the Rockyverse. I think a lot of kids, a lot of folks my age, uh, you growing up in the 80s and 90s, these this was the movie that really sort of set the tone for, oh, this is Rocky. In fact, I think this was the one that I remember watching and then going backwards and watching, I don't know if I watched them backwards or watched them in order leading up to it, but Rocky Four was the essential like entry for me into this dude who apparently fought wars in the ring, as it said in one of the entries. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the changes as they relate to you know different things. And I want to start off talking about the focal narrative. So this entry... Rocky IV, Rocky versus Drago, really focuses, and it was surprising, less about Russia versus USA and more about, well, really Rocky versus Drago. So it's, it's aptly named. And I wanted to just sort of get your general vantage point. You've seen both recently, and I don't want to say which one's better, which one's worse, but just kind of give me your general thoughts on each takeaway of, of what you thought of each one. Do you not want me to say that because you're going to ask me that later? Is that, are you, or are you just not, <laughs> do you not want well, me to Well, I just, I just really want to, just a, just an overall, like, I guess you could say, yeah, which one's better? I mean, which one you prefer? That That's fine. Um, because again, when I look at these two movies, they are essentially telling the same story beats, but there is a focus specifically in Rocky versus Drago that is less 
in Rocky Four. And so, yeah, I mean, we could we could start off by that. So for me, I'm watching these two movies and I'm trying to understand Stallone and his mindset in terms of like what he's focusing on. So if you, just starting out with the beginning of the movies, the original recaps a little bit of Rocky Three. So does the Rocky versus Drago. But Rocky Four clearly sets up an us versus them, a Russia versus USA. You've got the two steel gloves that are coming into picture with Eye of the Tiger underneath it. And then you have them clash. And it's like, okay, it's Cold War. We're going we're gonna to take this idea and just blow it up in terms of maybe making a political statement. This was a very politically centered movie. This was definitely having those giant undertones of USA and Russia, height of the Cold War. So I understood that. And I found it very interesting that the way in which Stallone changes that, starting from the very beginning, we still get the recap of Rocky's fight with uh, with Clubber Lang, but it's more extensive. It's essentially a little recap of him fighting Clubber for the first time, Mickey dying, and then Apollo coming in to reignite that eye of the tiger, as he says, from Rocky Three, And so setting the table for the beginning of Rocky Four, for me, it almost says this is a continuation of Rocky's journey as a boxer. Because in each one of these entries, you know, he fights Apollo, he rematches Apollo, he fights Clever Lang, he fights uh, Evan Drago. And I felt like this was tonally more consistent as a movie from its previous entries. In other words, each one of these movies is telling the story of how Rocky grows as a boxer, grows as a man, has to take on new challenges, new opponents. And I feel like what Stallone was doing here was trying to reinvigorate that consistency with Rocky as a character, as opposed to what we got from Rocky Four, which is a movie that was made for the times. It was made for 1985. Rocky versus Drago feels like it was a movie that feels a little bit more timeless in light of the previous entries and skipping over Rocky V, Rocky Balboa. So I felt like Rocky versus Drago is an entry that fits more consistently in Rocky's journey as a man, as a boxer. Interesting. I don't know that I would even have separated them based on that particular criteria personally. So I like that you have that connection to them and you think of them much more along their dramatic lines than I probably do. It's funny because when we talk about Creed and especially Creed three, the drama continues and I am much more locked into the dramatic through line of that trilogy than I have been of the Rocky verse. I remember when I watched Rocky for the first time in decades, several years ago, I hadn't seen it in decades. And so I barely remembered it. And I was blown away as a, an adult going, whoa, like, where's the boxing, man? <laughs> like, I thought this movie was a lot of like boxing and punching and it's not. And I appreciated that. But I think where I probably also gravitate towards the new new right i do this in games i do this in movies i'm a big fan of modernity and 
enhancements and things like that. And so I think for me, Rocky for the director's cut is definitely a better experience. I enjoy them both, but the original whole Rocky franchise to me is much more of like an arcadey version of a boxing series in a lot of ways where to me, like Creed is like my cinematic boxing series. Um, and specifically Rocky four, the original definitely fits in that like arcadey feel. And what I do appreciate about the way that he made some changes was to make it fit more in the cinematic. So I think I'm saying the same thing as you, like it feels more yeah. like a movie movie, like a dramatic movie than, and I love, love what you said and the way that you put this about how it's timeless now, but the original felt like it was made of its time. And obviously he made it in its time. So duh, <laughs> but it is a relic <laughs> of its time period and it feels like that and the the remake essentially the remaster the director's cut feels like a movie that could have existed then or now either one um yeah. and I, and i like that i i i think that this one for me i enjoy it in spite of the story i enjoy this movie because of its rock star nature i think was it you who called it this or was it Patrick Willems? Cause part of the reason we're doing this as well is because we both recently watched an amazing Patrick Willems video essay about movies in the eighties and what was the most eighties movie of the eighties. And Rocky four was a contender for that title. You should watch it. We're not going to spoil it. It's an hour and a half phenomenal video. We highly, highly recommend it. It's so much fun. But somebody somewhere recently I heard say that this is basically a series of music video montages. And that's why I like it. I, I like this because it's popcorny and it's just fun and exciting. And I don't get wrapped up in the story at all. Yeah, I think I recently watched uh, Prime Video as of this recording has this hour and 10 minutes iPhone shot documentary on the making of this, the Rocky versus Drago. And it's essentially like a home video. And it's <laughs> in some ways it's like somewhat garbage because it's not like well-produced, but I'm not faulting the filmmaker at all. I think it's a fantastic approach in terms of just capturing more than anything. It's a documentary on Stallone as a more mature filmmaker. And one of the things he says is that Rocky Four feels like a 90-minute music video. And it was supposed to. Because in 1985, with the themes that were being played out in this movie, you had this rock and roll mentality. I mean, you take the soundtrack. Everything is just big and bombastic. Even down to Apollo and his entrance in fighting Drago during the exhibition you got. James Brown, living in America. I mean, it's just popping off great. And it's one that has all of this high energy. And it's very different from Rocky and Rocky 2. Rocky 3 sort of blends. And it's, again, the Rocky franchise is growing with the era that it's growing up with. Rocky, the original, is in the late 70s. And then you get into the early 80s and now the mid 80s. 
at one point I'd forgotten that it was an 85 release because it kind of feels like a late 80s, maybe an early night, not past 1990. But I really felt like this feels kind of like a late 80s movie. And it was only because of the Cold War overtones that it reminded me, no, this is at this is in the middle part of the, this Cold War era. But Stallone goes on record in saying that he doesn't consider the Rocky franchise as boxing movies, as sports movies, which I would I would sort of agree with, especially the original. It's a drama and it's a dramatic journey of a character using boxing as its crux to tell its story. Would Rocky be less interesting without his boxing career? Yes, he would, because that's the thing that allows him to grow. It's the thing that connects him and Apollo. It's the thing that connects him and Adrian. And so over the course of these movies, the way in which these boxing scenes are shot changes. So you see the original Rocky, it feels very rough and rugged. It's very much like what you would see in an old 1970s if there were pay-per-view, just a couple of shots, some close you know, handheld cams. By the time you actually get to Rocky Balboa, Stallone uses the time, uses the current era that he's releasing this, and he says, no, I want to make this feel like Rocky lives in the real world. And so the the pay-per-view match is shot as if you were watching a pay-per-view. Occasionally, you'll have cinematic cuts to the corner, but most of the time, it's that wide shot. And so he has purpose. And the same thing with Rocky versus Drago is he wanted to make sure that the boxing felt intimate, that it felt close to the boxers, which is why you get these tight shots. In fact, I think at one point in the documentary, he actually deliberately omits these wide shots of Rocky hitting Drago because of the fact that they're not believable, that there's the potential that you could see Rocky actually intentionally missing Drago's face or vice versa. He wanted these over-the-shoulder shots. And so he recognizes that Rocky IV was built as a young filmmaker. It was built to be a movie that brought an audience in. And so I think the way in which he re-edits it allows for that consistency to live. And the fact is, it's hard to do that because it's a movie that you can't reshoot. All you're doing is re-editing and finding old footage, extending scenes, removing others. And he admits, he says, I'm a better filmmaker now that I'm not actually making films <laughs> than I was when I was younger because I have more of that history. And I think that's a mature approach to any kind of filmmaker to recognize not what you did wrong, but what you should have stood up for, what you should have fought for. And he, he says that he has regrets. For one thing, and I don't agree with this, he regrets killing off Apollo. Now, I think that's a huge, huge thing for the franchise because he fully admits Creed would probably never exist if Apollo didn't die. He has his own reasons for it. So as a as a fan, I would say, no, Apollo's death had such a huge impact, more so in this entry, that it made a better, it made more sense as a motivation for Rocky, not necessarily revenge, but taking the legacy of Apollo about his desire to leave his mark and extending that into his world and saying, this is beyond the title. This is more than just me being on top. This is about me proving that I can stand toe-to-toe with the best in the world, which is what Apollo attempted to do, but his arrogance got in the way. And I think that is a great through line 
in this new cut that sort of gets diminished in the original because it looks like Apollo's just doing it for ego. Man, I miss fighting. I want to prove to the world that I'm still awesome. And he basically just gets demolished. This cut gives a little bit more breathing room to let us know more of what Apollo's motives are. And I think that's a huge thing when he passes away. It makes that deeper impact that I think we all want as fans. Yes, that is one of the biggest changes that appeals to me because when I was, I rewatched them. So my order this time around was Rocky versus Drago and then a rewatch of Rocky Four. And it was jarring to me, especially having already seen Creed Three. And this doesn't change Creed Three's story, isn't necessarily impacting my my view on this, but I, I've seen essentially an arc now of a character, right? And for me, it was a little bit off-putting to the point where I was going to ask you tonight about how are we supposed to feel about Apollo? Because this is a man who, by all accounts, in Rocky Four, not in the edit, like you said, quite as much, but kind of in both movies, but but definitely more so in Rocky Four. Like he is legitimately putting his ego, as you said, above his family and above his potential life. He he is endangering himself to the point where he ends up getting himself killed and leaving his son fatherless and his wife a widow for a freaking exhibition match. And I have a problem character-wise, not not movie-wise, like this is the story and this is creates a drama. But if we're talking about like heroes, like Apollo is knocked down a notch for me on this rewatch in how I viewed him and I think about him as he's the champ, like he's the greatest, like we want to praise and, and be and, and, and remember all of the greatness of Apollo. Dude, you left your family. For literally no reason other than you wanted to dance around to, who was it, James Brown, that song? I, didn't, I don't care. That was the most gaudy, I mean, entrances in boxing, and it, that was worse than WWE entrances. Like, not, in a, again, not in a negative way. That was the point of the character. I think it's good filmmaking because Salone is selling you on, ex- you don't have any questions about what matters to Apollo. And it is his pride and his desire to be seen, desire to be loved. And and I think obviously we're talking about sports and, and human drama, but in his desire to feel worthy and of value because he is retired now and he feels it's like so many athletes when they retire. This is the big thing that we like about sports movies. Like when you don't have the thing that you were great at, that defines you, then what is left, right? And how do you switch that to then have something else define you? And obviously we could get into a great theological discussion about what we believe that to be. But even just from a family standpoint, like you have to, it's a challenge for anyone in real life. So it is obviously in movies too, to like flip that switch and say, I'm okay now, just sitting at home, being a father, being a being a husband, and watching someone else step in there and yeah so it was was a struggle for me like retroactively knowing his son's story like i think that makes me a little more harsh on his decision and and what he took on uh and and i also 
had forgotten, honestly, about Rocky's whole towel thing. Like, I forgot that there was this opportunity for Rocky to throw in the towel. And that made much more sense to me on these rewatches about the level of, I think, guilt that Rocky is carrying forward through this journey. Like, I really felt it that way. I felt it less about revenge and more about guilt that he could have stopped it and he didn't and he needed. So I, I, I feel that's a little, a little different than just flat out revenge. If you get what I'm saying. No, no, I absolutely do. And I don't think it's just that if it were just revenge, I think the tone of the whole movie would be really, really different. Um, and you wouldn't want to root for Rocky. I mean, it would be, I guess you would, but I didn't even feel in Rocky four that it was revenge. I saw Apollo as being driven by ego purely in Rocky Four. He gets mad because the Siberian bull is coming in and he wants to be the guy to drop him down a peg. And it reminds him of the fact that he once was, but he now isn't. And there's a there's a a, a scene where he's ta- he's watching his first fight with Rocky and in both, I believe the director's cut and the original part of his speech is left in that says, when you beat me, I didn't want to hear from anybody, not even my kids. And I think what makes this a little bit more, I don't want to call it tolerable, but it gives a little bit more agency to Apollo is that he's honest about the fact that he's not ready to say goodbye. And I think Rocky's journey of losing him and the guilt that he feels to go fight Drago, not to pay back Apollo, but to sort of go through penance. Like, that's what I felt like this director's cut does. Yes. It's absolutely penance because everything about this whole setup, which is reinforced with a couple of additional scenes tells me that there's no money, there's no title shot. It's on Christmas Day, away from his family, and initially away from all of his family, say Polly, until Adrian comes along, but he's even away from his son. These decisions, one, are consistent with Rocky, because we see it in the other movies where he sort of said, I have to do this alone. So it's very much a consistent character trait of who he is. But this feels like a journey where he has to go through hell and come out the other side. And I don't think there's a, there's a part of me, Aaron, that feels like if he dies, he dies. Like I think he was willing to lose the fight, but take on the thing that was his burden. And the fact that obviously it's a hopeful movie, it's a hopeful franchise. When he cuts Drago, we're all cheering because he's cut the machine. But I think in that moment for him, what I felt, especially in this version, in this Rocky versus Drago version, is that when he cut him, he realized, oh my gosh, not only is this this not a machine, but I can actually come out of the other side. I can exercise my demons and then be able to um, celebrate the fact that I did this, which I think makes his reaction to Drago not someone who is upset, like, I'm going to take you down like Apollo, but really 
you're my foil in this moment and I have to be able to battle through this and essentially beat you in order to come to grips with my own grief. I agree a hundred percent with that. And I think that the ending changes also make that firm once he's done winning the fight and the way that the Russians respond real quick, fun Carl Weathers tangent. Every time that I saw that scene where he cuts him, I was waiting because I couldn't remember what movie this was part of. I was waiting for someone to say, if it bleeds, we can kill it or we can kill it if it bleeds, whichever. I don't remember which which order it's set in, but it's actually from Predator, which also is a Carl Weathers yes. movie. <laughs> Uh, and 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 that's what I think of every time he cuts Drago. I think immediately like of that moment where they're like, "It bleeds, like we can kill him." He's you know he's not invincible, uh, and it's just funny that it, they both obviously are Carl Weathers projects. One thing that I did miss in the remake, I, I keep calling it remake. I'm sorry. Th- this is very complicated. The way that he, I, I can't believe he named this stupid thing Rocky versus Drago. Rocky for. Rocky versus Drago. Like there are like the word Rocky is in the title of this episode at least like three times. It's crazy. Anyway, uh, the scene that he took out that I actually disagreed with, and, and then most almost all the changes I was pro camp, but he took out the moment where they get together after the end of the thing and they have their like p- 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 like third match. secret fight. Yeah. Yeah, the secret fight that supposedly took place between them, the sparring match where Rocky comes home and he's cut. And it's a great, great scene where Adrian, I think it's Adrian, and she's like, where'd you get the hat? And he's like, my friend gave it to me. And she's like, where'd you get the black eye? And he's like, he gave me that too. <laughs> and it was same just- friend, but, right? Same friend, Same uh, Yeah, same friend. <laughs> but I love that moment and that scene because it does allude to something that is very, I think, a special kind of thing about their friendship. And it just, it was weird to me to have that thing removed because that, I thought, fit well in the Rocky Four kind of progression. or <laughs> In the Rocky versus Drago- version it would have stayed and fit just as well yeah i mean and i think i I missed it too i was willing to forgive it because it takes place at the end of rocky three so we get to see the start of it and at the end of course it the original rocky four recaps that point and then we get to that scene with his i think it's with his son or age i can't remember who it was but i think what stallone opted to do was to provide more of those one-on-one conversations about Apollo's struggle to really bleed into ultimately the exhibition. I I think Stallone recognized that the little bit that we see of of Apollo talking about wanting to do this and getting pushback from everybody kind of told us in in the original, yeah, don't do this. This is stupid. And we still feel that way. We absolutely still feel that way. But I think when you add the scene at the pool and the scene in his yard with the football sort of explaining a little bit more combined with the scene at the table and then the scene where they're watching, rewatching their fight. I think what Stallone was trying to do was to really, really expand a little bit more of Apollo's sympathy. I don't know that it worked, but I think I feel a little bit more sympathy for him. I don't 
at all believe he made the right choice, especially in light of three movies that have been released that were probably not even on the table. So it's ironic that Carl Weathers or Apollo's death created these three movies that, as you said before, really sort of put him in such a negative light. Whereas if Creed's one through three didn't exist, if that story arc didn't play out, I never would have thought about his kids because they're never on screen except for Rocky two. Like we never see them. We see his wife and that's it. And not that I shouldn't feel sympathy that he's now left her as a widow, but when you add more family to that, it creates a lot more weightedness to it. And so I think for Stallone, I can't read his mind, but I don't know that he had creeds one through three in mind when he was going through this edit. I mean, he was doing it during COVID, so maybe he just got an itchy director's finger like most directors can do. And, you know, I mentioned Zack Snyder at the front. We have three versions of Watchmen out there. It's just he mentions in the documentary that you can't stop tinkering. And I'm like, but you need to. A director has got to say when a cut is done. And I think that hopefully this one, Rocky versus Drago, is his cut and he's done with it. He's not going to put it in black and white. He's not going to change the music anymore or whatever. But I think that the reasons why when we look at Apollo, I think what he wanted to do was to really emphasize their deep friendship. Like we knew that they were friends and Rocky three really emphasized that. But I think Rocky four created this tension between both of them. Because they're both boxers. They're both fighters. They come from different backgrounds. And even though Rocky is, quote, still in his prime, Rocky is trying to understand Apollo's motive. And it's really difficult. It's like when your best friend says, I'm going to do this. And you're like, you shouldn't do this. And you're like, I'm going to do it. Well, at that point, you're kind of like, unless you just got the cojones to pull the guy back, I think he knew that Apollo wasn't going to take no for an answer. And so I think it made... Those scenes leading up to the exhibition made the exhibition, the death, a lot more impactful for me. Regardless of how I feel about Apollo's motives, the impact was a lot more dramatic because of what I got to spend time with a few scenes before. Yes, I completely agree with that. And it's funny you mentioned the whole not really getting to meet Creed's kids because in the director's cut version rocky actually cuts out his kid too <laughs> for the most part like his kids yeah one scene in the bedroom go away in the bedroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah not there <laughs> didn't really miss him though i mean i get it i understand why that is mainly because in the original while there are a few more scenes that include the kids it's nothing really that deep and impactful it's never you know, it's much more about like, will Adrian approve and is Adrian going to show up? That's really the question. Uh, you know, the biggest thing that I appreciated was the removal of the robot and the robot's always contentious. And I, I don't believe that anyone likes it. I think people that say they like it are really meaning that they tolerate it and they think it's funny and that it's OK and they just don't want to be a hater. <laughs> and that's fine. There's nothing entertaining to me about it whatsoever, and there never has been. I didn't hate it, but I certainly loved not having it there and basically taking Polly out, too. I mean, he's only in a couple of scenes here, and I think it was good because I don't know what it is about the original man, but he's being portrayed as 
I mean, almost like he's going senile or something. Like he is just kind of on in another movie, it feels like, with his personality. Yeah. So I, I'm a fan of Burt Ward. I think you're not Burt Ward. Um, is it Burt Ward? Yeah. Of Polly as a character. And I think it's because of the journey that he's on with Rocky. He's the he's the brother-in-law that you just don't want to talk about. And he's the brother-in-law that I think Rocky holds on to because of not out of sympathy, but out of the fact that, look, I met Adrian because of this guy. His friendship with Polly, his relationship with Polly is tumultuous. And I think that it's consistent throughout Rocky Four as well, especially when you get into that great scene. Because because uh, Polly is a character who wants to be a friend. He wants to do good. And yet he just can't because he's really afraid. And so when you watch the scene play out, both in the original and the director's cut, where he's talking to, to Rocky as he's going through the entrance and he's like, hey, I just want to tell you if, if I could be anywhere, I'd be you, Rocky. And then he goes back later and he says, forget it. Forget about it. It didn't make me laugh, but it was very consistent because this is Polly. Polly wants Polly has moments, and I think that's the point of his character is that he has moments that shine. And one of the moments that stands out to me is when, um, is when Rocky's in the corner and he's asked, you know, how you, you know, how are you feeling out there? What's going on? And he goes, I see three of them. And Polly goes, hit the one in the middle. And he's like, yes, hit the one in the middle. It's 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 dumb advice. But it makes sense. And it's the only advice that Polly can give. He represents, I think, the id of this whole like Rocky persona is that he has no filter. He calls himself the unsilent majority. <laughs> and he's obsessed with snow cones and just different things like that. He's there a little bit for comic relief, but I think he represents this sort of absent minded look, you're my brother in law and. I love your sister and therefore I love you and I'm willing to bring you along. He has a great little arc in Rocky Balboa where in his own poly way, he confronts Rocky on living in the past. He's like, you're living backwards, Rocco. And he's not wrong. And I love that Stallone does this with him because you could throw his character away and be just fine. I fully admit that. But I like that he's kept this actor around and he gives him, as the franchise moves on, more of an impact that's appropriate for his character. And he's still senile. He still says inappropriate things without an edit button in Rocky Balboa. So there's no inconsistency there. I get how people won't like him. And I think that the robot represents an extension of that goofiness. And I'm glad that it's gone because it didn't add to anything. It cr Again, it's part of that rock and roll cut of we need to have some fun with this. We need to provide some levity when in actuality you don't. You don't need to have that kind of levity. It's almost like making a really campy joke in the middle of a really tense scene that sort of takes away from that intensity. Yes. Real quick, Polly doesn't say that, by the way. That is one of my favorite, absolute favorite pieces of dialogue in the entire film, but it's Duke and Rocky. Duke is the one who says, hit the one in the middle. Which I really appreciated. No, no, he. And I will, I will, I will bet you. In the original cut, Polly says it, and then Duke says, "Yeah, hit the one in the middle." Like he hears Polly oh. say it. 
Okay, I well, I, never, I didn't notice Polly <laughs> saying it. I noticed Duke saying it. I did not notice Polly. So and that may have been in the director's cut that it's just, yeah, it's just Duke. But okay, but Polly says it in the original for sure. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't catch that. Anyway, um, go ahead. So since you brought that up, I wanted to use that as a way of like getting to this point. This is something the first thing, I, first time that I have noticed this in watching both of them this time around here. I think that the robot was more than just a joke. I think that Stallone's intent here with that in the story was, and maybe I'm reading into it, but here's what I get out of it. There are so many shots of Drago training and the enhanced of the time way in which he's using machines and using computers to make his training more optimized. The whole final montage in the training sections in Russia are all about highlighting just how old school Rocky is. In fact, there's some phenomenal shots in them where like one is Drago on this machine in a gym and he's like doing like some sort of like a crawl pull thing where he's on all fours and like crawling forward and with this machine that's like, you know, calculating all of his stats and Rocky's doing the exact same thing in the snow with like a harness as if he was an ox. And I love that. But I think that the robot is there to sort of also show like, this is what Americans are doing with their technology. And this is what Russians are doing with their technology. Americans are buying robots to entertain them and to walk around the house and do things for them. Russians are using technology to try and make themselves better. I think that is also a reading that I got of it. Maybe I'm just looking for a way to make the robot work for me in that version. But that's kind of how I saw it was like Polly is this example of exactly what all of these Russians are angry about and what they hate is us and how we think we're like this great country and we're the best, but like, look at what we spend our time doing and what we spend our resources and technology doing, making these stupid little robots, whereas we are creating the ultimate fighting machine to of power and strength and to project that to the world. And I, I just see that as like a really strong dichotomy in the way that this particular movie is is shot. That's a great perspective to have, and I never really thought about it that way because of the fact that on its surface, the robot is played for camp. I mean, the fact is, the robot comes out as a birthday present, and Polly doesn't like him, and then somehow Polly has the robot re- <laughs> reprogrammed to become sort of a semi-weird love interest. Um, comedy is definitely at the forefront, but that's a great way to think about it in the fact that there is a there is a, a softness and a hardness to the East and the West and how, again, Rocky represents having to go back to the beginning as, as Vicini would say, and get to the ruggedness of the, of training. He doesn't have everything. He trains the same way, which I thought this is one of the the montages in this movie are fantastic. And I'm so glad that he kept them because he knows how impactful they are. But I think what makes them good is the comparative visuals where you see Drago doing essentially the same kind of exercise on a machine that is giving him all the all this data. And 
all Rocky has to go by is, am I getting stronger? I don't know. <laughs> Do I, I don't have numbers to compare, but it's all similar. They're both training in the same way. And of course, I love when we get the reveal of Dolph's just physique as he's coming out. And then you see the physique of Stallone. I mean, if if you don't watch the Rocky franchise for any other reason, just watch how Stallone's body progresses throughout a decade, like how much he changes based off of the fights that he's in. Like in Rocky three, he slims down, but he still looks fit. Rocky four is probably the most fit that he has ever been in, in terms of just the six pack. And I mean, he looks chiseled and he looks chiseled next to this equally chiseled six foot four monstrosity. But seeing how they get to that point and how similar their training styles are, but how Rocky doesn't have access. Rocky doesn't want access. He wants to train simply. And there's there's a value in, I think, what he's saying in these montages of the organic side. I'm in control. I'm in control of how far I run. I'm in control of how much I pull or how, how I actually train. Whereas Drago, doing the same exercises, is being pushed. And I think this is something else that was a significant change in the director's cut is that Drago comes across as more of a machine. Like he feels like he doesn't get to say much. And Stallone mentions this. He Dolph, Dolph Lundgren is a is seasoned actor. He's a smart dude, 160 IQ. I think he's like a biochemist or something, but an incredibly smart guy. And so to give him lines, create it tears down the persona that Stallone wanted to create, which is this the last two guys that that Rocky fought, Clever Lang, Apollo Creed, and then seeing Apollo in Rocky Four, it's all stylistic. It's all for show. And what he wanted from up from um from Drago was this stoic. And the less he said, the more like a robot he felt. And I felt like in this version, that was really emphasized in that when he finally grabs his like his handler, picks him up and says, I fight for me, essentially, like it's for me. Then you get to the end of the fight. His little interaction with Rocky just validates that like you are a human being, but that's a good thing, Draco. And I respect you. I respect this fight that we've had. Because even though you've been handled, even though you've been shaped, at the end of the day, you are a boxer. You are another human that deserves the battle. You deserve to fight. And you put up a fight that deserved all the accolades that it got. And I thought that that was a lot more impactful for me, seeing him as this robot that eventually sort of comes out of his shell and is almost validated by the fight with Rocky. Yes, to all of that. I couldn't agree more. I really appreciated the changes to him. It's a weird absence of his wife, who was played by, as you told me, Rocky Rocky's uh, Stallone's former wife. So maybe that has something to do with it. But she is a big presence in Rocky Four, and she does all the talking. And there is a specific moment where he speaks out during the press conference in the director's cut that he doesn't have in the original and i agree like i enjoyed 
him feeling more like a pawn and like he was not part of the game like he was always resistant to it and in the original cut it does make it feel like he's more robotic and not quite as against it like you never get the sense that he is just a straight up evil person he just literally does not exhibit emotion (laughs) hardly at all so you can't really read him but he does exhibit enough in the director's cut to where you can tell like it's about the competitive battle for him in the ring as much as it is what the russian leadership and what his wife and what our view as stallone's view as a filmmaker of russia at the time what everything was all about which is russia only cares about the way it looks they care about the perception they don't give a crap about the actual athleticism in the sport i mean that's why he's doing drugs that's why they're they're doing all of the they're they're fine with any kind of below the belt tricks or late hits after the bell because they just want glory and they want to be seen as powerful but drago wants that for himself but he you can tell so well in that final fight and the way it's filmed that once rocky gets to him a few rounds in and cuts him like he's like okay fight on like this is a real fight and i actually am being challenged now and i want to do this for myself like i need to prove it to my own self not to the russian leadership and to my wife and to all these people that that care and i felt that real strongly i mean he even fights back in the director's cut a little bit chippy wise uh, you know against his corner they're constantly like mad at him (laughs) because he's not doing what they say he should do and I, i just really enjoyed his character a lot more here and all the way to the point where I think if I recall, and it's this is hard, I, I gotta say, watching these two movies, this is this was fun, but this is not something I would want to do often. And I hope that more movies don't end up getting these director's cuts like this, to be honest with you, because it's really hard for me to remember what is in what <laughs> and an exact differences of specific scenes and slight changes. But if I recall correctly, in the director's cut, Rocky goes over to him and maybe he doesn't in Rocky four. I feel like in in the original, it's much more, it's just over and it's all about like, okay, Rocky won, and the people in the Russian stands are cheering for him because they were chanting his name at one point, yada, yada. But in the director's cut, there's a specific cut to where he walks and basically pays his respect as all typical sportsmen do saying, well done. And I respect you in this ring. And that means a lot to me. Yeah. So that was something I noticed in that the messaging at the end of the movie is different. There is a similarity. It's very different speech. (laughs) Oh, there's no change. But but what happens? I could change. You could change. We all could change. That's a political statement. By the way, can I just say it is a terrible speech? (laughs) And it's a means nothing to me. It's a rah-rah speech. And again, knowing for the time, it's an optimistic speech about 
unity and that we can all change and that we all have our stuff. Sure. Here are the interesting changes. One, exactly what you mentioned. He talked about two people killing each other in the ring, but I guess that's better than 20 million. So yes, still call out the Cold War and this idea of of whatever. Again, the timelessness of the director's cut is emphasized here because it doesn't feel tone deaf. It doesn't feel like 2022 or 2023, I can't remember what year we're in now, America has no business preaching about morality and about how to be okay we are we we have our own issues and if a rocky character were doing this overseas in a putin-led russia no this would feel completely stupid and so the timelessness of his speech and what he says emphasizes the individual and what's interesting aaron is that yes he gets the crowd on his side we get the i mean there's there's raw moments that you just can't get rid of i'm sure he did not film <laughs> a this thing this fight i think was filmed over 3 weeks i mean that's a lot a lot of pummeling and a lot of chanting but i don't see him having an alternate cut where the crowd never gets on his side so you got to work with what you got i had no issue with that what i did find really great was that individualized speech of him showing respect to drago and then later on going over to him I don't know if he shook his hand, but he went to him. I think there was a nod, and then he left the ring. It was very, very no, not nonchalant, but it was very much like, hey, I just fought a war. I'm out of here. Like, it's not, you know, just the, the, the ending Rocky theme. But the other thing that I thought was so interesting is in the original cut, the premier leadership are standing up, and they slow hand clap. Like, you've won us over, Mr. American. We don't know that next year... A big power plant's going to explode and basically just kill our entire like existence. In the director's <laughs> cut, they walk away. They walk away. And I'm like, that's exactly what would happen. Because you get some dude that's not your kinsman, not your countryman, talking about what he respects. Leadership's like, yeah, mm-mm. What they're thinking, Drago let us down. We've lost our machine. And to me, that made a lot more sense to end the movie on. And I was happy with it so because it didn't feel patriotic, even though I, I, I mean, I'm, a, I'm proud to be American. I don't want patriotism in 2023. I want realism. And this got us closer to what I felt like, what would happen if you had an American fighting a Russian and basically embarrassing him? The premier leadership is not going to stand up and give you a slow hand clap because they believe that what you're saying is real. They're going to be like, we're going to get out of here because this is an embarrassment. I didn't remember the original reaction that they had until I saw it. And I had always wondered why people said that this movie was Rocky winning the Cold War. And then it made sense when I was like, oh, that's why people say that is because he literally wins the Cold War. <laughs> like they Russia rolls over and applauds american dominance because we beat them in the ring or whatever which is the stupidest thing i've ever seen in my life so yes this was maybe the best change overall in the entire movie it, it, the most completely impactful to the entire change of the narrative like this is what does it like everything else is like enhancements to the storyline that is already in existence but this completely changes 
the way you read the result of this fight. And I could not be happier with it because, yeah, it was it's just dumb. It made no sense. I was like, what are you doing? This is not happening right now. There is no way even especially like, you know, because there's one guy that gets up first and then, you know, you get the whole kind of situation like we've talked about this the other day when we were discussing the length of standing ovations and how sometimes they go on and on and on because everyone's afraid to stand to sit down and be the person to to stop it but this is, was the opposite of that where it's like one person stood up and started clapping and so everybody else is kind of like well crap now i've got to do the same thing as well uh, but yeah man the the stand up and just turn and walk out uh, worked so much better for me and also i think fits even better to know or knowing where Drago's story now goes. Obviously, that wasn't understood at the time that this movie was written, probably. But what ends up happening in Creed is that Drago has been cast out after this loss. (laughs) Russia has discarded him and sent him to the Ukraine because they're done with him. His wife has left him because he lost this fight. And for them to like stand up and react the way they do and just walk out on him in that moment, to me, felt more cohesive with where we see him in Creed 2 when he shows back up. Yeah, and I think this is a you know an unintentional byproduct of Stallone's story, is that in the same way that Apollo Creed dies, but you have the phoenix that is Creed 1 through 3 being revived, this director's cut provides that agency for Drago to really have a somewhat redemptive arc in Creed 2. And it doesn't feel like a retread of Rocky IV, like, oh, yes, father versus father, son versus son, generation versus generation, which is what I think we expected from Creed 2. And I love the fact that we get substance. I love the fact that it becomes a story beyond one rivalry and that it has reasons. So whether by mistake or not, it's, it's, a, great, uh, it's a great sort of result because of the fact that we have the footage that we do from the director's cut. So I think retroactively, overall, initially I wasn't really on with the director's cut. When I first saw it, there were things about it that I felt just were weird. And and some things still do sort of kind of rub me the wrong way. I don't necessarily love Vince DiCola's music in the in the fight, it feels a little bit uneven, even though he does both the music for for both. Um, there, I didn't love the fact that we didn't start with uh, "Eye of the Tiger" like we do in the original cut, but that we end with it. That's kind. Of, I mean, again, it was just stuff that I felt was out of balance, and I think it's because of my being used to Rocky Four. Could we include those, and it would make me happy? At, at this point, watching it a second time and seeing what came after it. Seeing the Rocky verse holistically makes this cut feel a lot more substantive. It doesn't feel like it's just Stallone tweaking and playing and trying to fix a mistake necessarily. It's him, I believe, trying to get consistency with his previous entries and Rocky Balboa as well. So I think it's a winner for me. Yeah. I mean, they're both winners for me. I think that they're both watchable still to this day. I will probably only go with the director's cut 
from here on out. I don't see myself choosing to watch Rocky IV original anymore now that this exists, but I certainly enjoyed them both. And ultimately, once we get into our flow and it becomes music videos for the final 45 minutes, I mean, I'm locked in. Like, that's probably... I could see myself just putting on the last 45 minutes of the movie because from the moment that we blast no easy way out, which I will tell you, and I know this is sacrilegious Patrick, but that is probably my favorite Rocky song over eye of the tiger. I love no easy way out. There is something about that flipping song that just gets me going. It gets me, hyped and i know that eye of the tiger is more iconic or synonymous with rocky and that's fine but i personally feel myself more excited and more energized by no easy way out and i and i just i love it in this movie and i and i am so glad it's there <laughs> and oh i am too i like yeah. hearts on fire yeah. a lot too um it's interesting Dude, that they change see, it at the my, end the- I think you just mentioned that actually. So, yeah, where they they flip it. Yeah, I think the original film ends on Hearts on Fire, and in the director's cut, he brings back Eye of the Tiger and punts Hearts on Fire to like the credits. Yeah, something like that. Here's the interesting thing: is in the Rocky verse, you can have your cake and eat it too. Rocky III's theme song is Eye of the Tiger. Rocky IV's theme song. Could be No Easy Way Out, although I think that's just a great, I'm angry and I need to get out of my house jam. Like, that's the one you want to turn up, just like Rocky. You want to get in your car, rev the engine, and then go travel to Greenbrier or Conway, you know, and be like, yes. For me, it's hearts on fire. Because to me, that is the, I've got Adrian back. So you got Vince DiCola doing do 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 and then it's like this industrial like i've got a train by myself and it's the contrast of of rocky and drago and then you see and hear the music end of vinsticola and he sees adrian with his beard and he's like yes she fills in gaps this is my girl and then we got hearts on fire and that's the redemptive training montage where he's now training not by himself but with his family he's gotten he's training with duke he's training with adrian and they're all supportive which i mean you've got to you've got to love the fact that adrian is the crux for him and how i I just i talk about this all the time when i talk about rocky her evolution as a character is so beautiful how she becomes more of a fighter because she married a fighter and how he can't do this without her and each movie sort of highlights that in some capacity. But when you couple that with Hearts on Fire, with No Easy Way Out, even the Vince DiCola stuff, it's all so tonally perfect for the scenes that they're being used in. And I think that that's – it's a needle drop, essentially. I think that's what they're called, is needle drops, where you have, boom, here we go. And I think from an energy standpoint, No Easy Way Out is that song that captures – the anger, the frustration, the fear of what Rocky's experiencing in that moment. Because he, he doesn't know. There is no easy way out. There is no shortcut home. Like he has made a decision and he's going to go through this process. Is he going to come back home? I don't know. At this point, we're like, maybe he'll die too. And I think it's really, really a fantastic song. Not only from a soundtrack standpoint, but it fits so perfectly 
in that scene with all those little cuts to the black and white. Another thing that that Rocky that Rocky that Stallone did is he made all those cuts from scenes past in black and white or in sepia or whatever it was because he wanted to reemphasize that what you're what you're seeing is past. It's gone. You can't change that. And then the he actually told the uh the director, he said, I wanted to take away all these close up shots of my face because that's really egotistical. And so every time you see a close up, he's like, cut it. Let's widen it out. I need a full shot. I don't need to show, you know, how great I look in this. And so it's just it's fun to hear him talk about himself that's thirty years before. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. a good documentary, a good supplement to to watching this. But but yeah, I think I think the soundtrack's fantastic. I love they kept the montages. I think Adrian's continued presence in his life is expanded, makes more sense, makes more of an impact. And I love that he knows how to keep the things that he knows make the franchise what it is. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us for this edition of Feelin' Film. Please check out the director's cut. It's definitely worth watching. If you've listened to this, you already know, but definitely experience that. Check out the documentary currently on Amazon Prime. It's about 58 minutes, like less than an hour, maybe a little bit more than an hour and really just sort of a homegrown documentary. It's it's pretty fascinating. In the meantime, we're getting ready for Creed 3. I'm excited to finish off this trilogy, if I can, doubtful. I'm going to watch the first two to get ready for it. This is one of the few that my wife's excited about. So yes, date night at the movies with my wife. I'm excited. And come back and enjoy that conversation as well. Aaron, thanks for this conversation. It was great. We'll talk soon. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter, at Film, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places and would love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling film.